0: ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather, the Great Scott Show, sponsored by Suit Up. And uh, suited up, booted up, ready to rock here on a Friday morning pro segment. Gus Catengel, Saints and Pelicans correspondent. Gus, we were chatting yesterday about something. Now, this isn't so much a, a, a local or a New Orleans topic like we typically hit on, but... I do want to ask you who's more exciting? This is something we were debating yesterday. More exciting, not better, but who's a more exciting player, Steph Curry or LeBron James?
1: I would say um, because of where the game is right now and the three-point shots and the way he runs around, I'm leaning Steph. And I think you know, it's just probably preference. I mean, I LeBron's a physical player you saw him take over you know in that game against the Warriors in the paint he hits the game winning three man I I tell you what it's hard to to argue either or if you wanted to go with those two just by the way those two performed you know and it's what I thought that game was gonna be and it's why I think the NBA uh, did great by that play and situation and stuff I I loved it though but I, I just look at this man I you know, with what Steph Curry's done this year when he's healthy and what the Warriors did when they had Clay healthy and him, but just Steph as well. He's just he's exciting simply because you don't know where that ball is going to go in. He hit a shot in that game that I, I don't know how you guard. I, I there's there's no way to guard some of Steph Curry's three point shots where the, the second the ball hits his and it's out of his hands it's in the air and it's nothing but net sometimes doesn't even look at the rim i mean that's so you know that's exciting on that now early lebron when he was you know incredibly up in the air and dunking and kevin harlan said you know without regards for human life and stuff like that you know those types of dunks that can be as exciting as well man but um it's just kind of where the game is right now that three-point shot which has almost become so routine and yeah, he still makes it somewhat exciting um, from that aspect of it. So, right now, his second, I, I would just say, I- I'd say, i say him, like the
0: second. Yeah, no, the, it's like who's better, right? Well, LeBron, but you, who, who's <laughs> Steph? We put a poll up yesterday on our Twitter page, and you know, eighty-five percent said Steph Curry. And I don't think it's a, yeah. it's a knock on LeBron or anything like that. But the excitement level and. You know, you you go to a youth basketball game, they're all trying to do Curry stuff because, you know, now granted they're failing at it a lot, but, you know, a sixth grader, their chance of hitting a 30-footer, while it's not great, there's no way they're going to be able to dunk it. You know, they can't play five positions on the floor. They can't do uh, everything great, like LeBron can, but Steph just has that kind of. It's like you know who's a better wide receiver when you know Michael Thomas or Odell. Well, Thomas, but who's more exciting when they both have it going? Uh, Odell, you know, like everybody wants to have the one-handed catch. So, uh, and by the way, you mentioned Kevin Harlan. Shout out Kevin Harlan. If if Turner Sports does not make him the number one announcer next season with Marv Albert about to retire, uh, shame on him, man. Harlan, there's just something about I, hearing I him.
1: He to be yeah.
0: <laughs> Right like, between the eyes. I mean, he's just... Uh, the, a game, the voice, man. Just, it's great. Yeah. It's great. No, I, love, I love Harlan. ESPN 1420 and .com. Um, yeah, you know, the play-in games, playing their way in. The East, and you had the game last night. It was okay. The West, though, especially Wednesday night, just, uh, just tremendous trauma. Great stuff. And moving forward with the playoffs, you got the Warriors-Grizzlies tonight, and then you got, you know, four games tomorrow on Sunday, who are you who are you looking at here, Gus? Who are you looking at to get to the finals and uh, why are you like most not picking the Jazz? I'm kinda of going out on a limb. I think they're coming out of the West. I have my reasons, I'll tell you in a minute, but I doubt you agree with me on that.
1: No, I, I actually I it'd be hard to argue with you on that. They've been the best team Um I think your only injury, you know, it's it's how healthy is their guards? um because so if they're healthy yikes and look they they play defense they have multiple people that can shoot the three and they're just a good team they're well coached and you're not the number one seed in the West by a fluke you know I mean it's, you're just not and I, I legitimately, like, I was listening to LeBron, uh, you know, Wednesday, and he said it best, you know, on it when he was asked about playing the Suns. Um, I, I like the Suns, too. I, I, look, I think Chris Paul's got a nice team around him. They've really shelled around that play. They're, they're somewhat battle-tested. I mean, Monty Williams winning coach of the year. I, I, I like what you see. You know, out of the West right now, in the teams that are available of maybe possibly, you know, giving it a go at it. And man, I, I look. Yes, the injuries are one of the reasons they're you know where they were and having to be in the play-in situation. But man, the West is just tough. It's just stacked too. And you know, take away. I mean, imagine what would happen if you know some big names didn't get injured early on. And look, I, we haven't even seen game time yet, you know? So I mean, let's, let's see what happens in that aspect. Of I think the first-round matchups is spectacular to look at it. But I just um, – I, I could definitely see um, the Jazz getting out of it. They're just – they're so good. Like, you, you watched them, especially when they played the Pels. The play the, the Pels have beaten Milwaukee. The Pels gave – you know, game to a lot the Nets, a lot of the other teams that I've seen, and when they play the Jazz, it was just a different level. Yeah, and I remember talking with you know Todd and Daniel and everybody else in the broadcast. It's just they're just on a different level of basketball, and I, I can't, I can't see how they maybe don't. I mean, I, I I'd like to see the Suns um, for CP and Monty be honest with you and i I just like how he plays but i'd be okay with seeing those two teams man to be honest with you i i i I could see if those two teams get out
0: espn 1420 and dot com yeah the other thing that i've that i've brought up a number of times that i don't think is getting enough press right now that's worth noting in. Not just because Utah had the best record. I mean, they're, they, they, the reality is they have come up short in the postseason in recent years. It's true. It's a fact. I mean, I can't argue that. But at some point, do you, do you break through? But the other thing is this. They are allowing 73, 75, up in the 70s in terms of capacity where, where the Jazz play. And that is far and away the most of every team in the postseason. I mean, look at the Knicks. I mean, 10%. The Nets, 10% capacity. That's subject to change between now and, say, the next month as the playoffs continue and we get – but my my point is state-by-state restrictions. You can't tell me that having a home court advantage when you've got – 75% Three, you know, seventy-five percent of your arena full, as opposed to now you're on the road, and yeah, you're on the road, and you're not at home, and you're not in the friendly confines. But it's only ten percent full, and that crowd isn't right. That crowd isn't on top of you. Now you're in Salt Lake City, where that crowd already is. You know, uh, one of the louder, more obnoxious, but it's good for the Jazz fan bases in terms of how they are on top of an opponent. Uh, they cross the line at times. That's also true, but. It's a home court advantage for the Jazz. That's my point. And when you have that kind of capacity, and no other team in the playoffs do, and you're the one seed, and you were 31-5 and at home this year, it's going to be hard to win a seven-game series against the Jazz when they have home court advantage, especially in a year like this where the capacities are just going to be different from arena to arena, and they have the biggest one in terms of the most amount of fans. So... That's another reason and something that's not being discussed much. Um, I don't know that I've heard it discussed anywhere. Actually, I'm sure it has been, but it's just an overlooked part of why I like the Jazz coming out of the West. Now, I know that they would not be the ratings getter, obviously, that the Lakers would. I get all of that. I know that they're not the betting odds favorite to come out of the West. Both the Lakers and Clippers have better betting odds than the Jazz, but I'm not betting against Utah. Not right now. Now, an injury could throw a wrench in that whole thing, but – I, I I think the Jazz are going to the NBA Finals.
1: And you bring up a very good point. I, I, you're right. That is not something that's being talked about. And you go back to Wednesday's game, which I mean felt every bit of the playoff, you know, conference finals game, right, with the Warriors and Lakers. Um, Steph Curry brought up after the game the environment. And they didn't have anybody in Staples Center. I mean, in terms of capacity, I mean, he had fans, but it wasn't, There was nowhere near a sellout um, in California. So you're right. I mean, look, that has absolutely historically been a tough place to play. I mean, back in the day of Stockton and Malone, you saw a game at the Delta Center. That's a loss. I mean, I remember back in the day with the you know, Hornets with Chris Paul, I man. And then you saw at the Jazz, boss. I mean, you know, it just, just you're going to lose. You don't think of just the environment, but um, the altitude there, too. No one really kind of brings it up. It's always just Denver. Utah, you battle with that as well. There is altitude in Salt Lake City. Um, and then you add that environment. That's a great point, Scott, as to how, how that – it helps, and, and because I would say, in we should be another fun discussion one day. Which sport do the fans, you know, contribute the most? And I understand hundred thousand in Tiger Stadium and all of that, but um, look, I was in the that Rams game, and golf opera like nothing, even though he couldn't hear. So I'm still going to say the NBA directly affects, perhaps slightly more than football based on this aspect of it, guys that aren't stars, bench players, you've heard Barkley say it routinely. They somehow, someway in home playoff games, they just play better. Part of the reason is that energy that the crowd brings you, you know, that they hit a three, a guy that's hit four threes the entire season goes six for six from behind the arc at home. And he doesn't make a shot on the road. You know, it's it's crazy. It's not just the stars. To me, it's more of the ancillary and the backup players um, that you definitely see. And, and, and to your point, man, I, I think that, that absolutely adds. I'm intrigued uh, if that eventually does happen to see who, who challenges the Jazz out there. But I, I'm with you. I'd, I'd be shocked if that doesn't happen in the East, man. Um, I know everyone is saying that, but it's just to believe. And I think the NBA is hoping, not I'm not saying actively root against teams, but for a team to only have seven games played with three superstars. Ridiculous. I, yeah. You would think. And they're the odds would, on favorite to win it
0: all. Like the the the, the, the right. betters are putting down money on the nets, Gus. I mean, that's what they believe. You talk about throwing a uh, a middle finger to the regular season, yeah. These guys, they played eight games together, but guess what? They're the better. They played in the postseason and they won it all. I mean, that's that's not a that's not a great look, but it might happen.
1: You know, and what's interesting is this. I want to ask you this because it was something that I saw um, brought up nationally, and it's true. It was like three weeks ago, and we talked about it a little bit. But you know, this is the latest, you know, incarnation, obviously, of a quote unquote big three. You had LeBron in them, and you have some super teams, even the Warriors. I didn't feel even the Warriors were this unlikable. Like I, Stephen A. brought this up, and he it's like, just no one cares for the three players that the Nets have. You know, Durant and his. You know, I don't know. It's like the guy's literally daily trying to be a villain. You know, trying to be mean and ugly. It's just very strange, um, in that with, with social media. I mean, Kyrie's mental uh, on a lot of aspects and yeah, i mean Kane i don't know he's, he's one of the he's, most unlikable players yeah you know? <laughs> so, i don't know that i'll call
0: so irving mental crazy, but like what you think about it right here here's is, here's is my take on it 20 i'll be able to better answer your question in a month and i say that not because of your you know pointing out the you know the players and their perception like because they've only played eight games together and because it's brooklyn you know, I mean, the Knicks are on the front page When the championship, and the front page still might be about what do the Knicks do, need to do to to get there next year. So they're kind of like a franchise that that a lot of people are are you know apathetic to, and because you didn't see a ton of games with those guys together, it has they haven't really they don't have much juice behind them now. When the postseason starts and if they start winning and and it, that 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 sentiment might change, but I don't personally feel that like. It's there. And as far as the Warriors go, I think I don't think anyone was anti-Warriors until Durant signed there. Because it was like, no, the right. Splash Brothers, they won a title and then, you know, and then they lost. They blew a 3-1 lead. But it was like, I mean, some people you know, didn't like Draymond, but overall, the Warriors had pretty good approval. And then when Durant signed, you know, with with the Warriors after they, you know, won a title and had been in multiple ch- it was just kind of like okay like really that's what you're going to do right now like you right that, so that's when the animosity with the warriors started it was when durant went there but prior to that it wasn't really there so you know between durant harden irving and 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 the nets i just I don't think there's just been enough juice behind them, but I think that's partly because they play in Brooklyn for the players. Nets, yeah. and it's yeah, partly because point. they just hadn't played a lot of games together. Now, a month from now, the pulse might be very, very different, but there just doesn't seem to be a lot of a lot of heat behind them yet. Give it a couple of weeks in the postseason, and that's likely to change. Yeah, no, I agree.
1: And I think a lot of the heat you know, to Miami, South Beach, the – you know, what people perceive it to sort of be like and everything. And, you know, and I, I think that was a lot of it too. The, the, the style, the glamour, mm-hmm. you know, the, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And just quite honestly, their gameplay. And And um, I don't know, man, it's just, it's just interesting to sort of look at like that to see um how it goes, you know, it's, to be honest with you, yeah. I think the league is very, very interested to see how they go. If they blow through the playoffs and, you know, win the finals, 4-1 or something. I just, I just, I wonder what the reaction will be. I still don't think, because I've seen it calm down a bit, I think more and more teams are going to get two superstars, sort of like the Lakers, sort of like what you see with the Pels, two superstars, build a good team around it, and move forward. I, you know, I mean, you can quote-unquote say big three or stuff like that, but I just, I I just don't think it's as sustainable and, and, you know, it can happen, but, um Oh no, man. We'll we'll see. Obviously, I know it's it's something that uh, can and, and likely will affect the, the league to an extent.
0: You know, no doubt about it. Gus Cagney, our Saints and Pelicans correspondent. Well, Gus, um, sometimes when you chat with me, we hear your son in the background. Uh, my son Calloway is is here today. Um, Calloway, go ahead and tell Gus hi. Hi, Gus. And and I know. Hey, that, buddy. How are you, sir? He's he's good. So who's your favorite bas who's your favorite basketball team, Callaway?
1: Pelicans.
0: Who's your favorite player?
1: Number one. Who's that? Zion. That's
0: right. Okay. There you go. There's Callaway's appearance. Thanks, buddy. All right, so with that, let me ask you this before we, we get out of basketball talk and have one, one thing on the saints I want to ask you about. Uh, Pelicans obviously not in the postseason. We talked last week, and you went off on David Griffin and you know the failure of this past season. Give me one negative and one positive storyline heading into this off season for the Pelicans, and then we'll we'll wrap. You know, we'll we'll close the book on the Pel's for a while.
1: Yeah, one positive, obviously, I think it definitely starts is um, I, I think that we found out what what Zion can is about and, and the potential with that and. That, yes, he is that central figure that you can build around. He is your quote-unquote superstar. He is a guy that, you know, is as advertised. And when you think of the fact that he's just getting underway, he hasn't refined his game, really worked on his game, there's so much to it, and really that you have to worry, uh, not worry, but look at and think of how his game is going to be um, in that, Even as David Griffin said, and Steve Van Gundy said earlier in the week, no one thought about how you were going to use Point Zion nearly as much. You know, they had vision, they had an idea, but it almost sounded like from Steve Van Gundy, you almost saw it like a maybe package situationally. And then you hear him say, but hey, We didn't realize we were going to use it as much. And I, and I think that was something that surprised everybody. And quite honestly, it depends or it decides now how you build this team. And it's something we talked about all week on our show about fit, about money, and how it pertains to Josh Hart. Um, it's it, Danny Lozada, you know, a guy that can be like a Josh Hart. Najee Marshall, both players, a lot less than perhaps 12 to 15 to 16 million dollars a year for Josh Hart. Um, what is the fit for Lonzo Ball? What is he do? I mean, what if Zion's going to be your primary ball handler? Is he going to be your primary ball handler? If that's the case, well so then, where are the other guys fit? Who's your shooter? Do you, I keep hearing you need shooters. All right. Well, is he that shooter? Are you paying over 16, 18, 20 million? I mean, Dennis, you know, shooter. Turned down four years, 84 from the Lakers, and balls' numbers are better this year. So, you know, you're looking at at least 20. Are you paying 20, committing it over four years? That's $80 million. That's going to affect what kind of free agents you can get and pay if you want to eventually get to that spot. You hear um, David Griffin talk about the luxury tax and say, look, he. Stinks, Mrs. Benson, and then we'll do it when they're there. He says they got a long, long way to go. I'm glad I hear hear that because that, you know, means that he understands we're not a quick fix away or a big free agent signing away. You have to build a a better basketball team, and at least there's something like that. So I think all that, though, comes off of what you found in Zion, right? So that is, to me, unquestionably the biggest positive of the season Was that you found a guy that um, evolved through the season, developed, I think, during the season, got better during the season, and I think even right after the season, and what you heard him talk about on Monday, when you heard him, um, I'm not going to say with David Griffin, but David Griffin says we're close. He says, I'm not going to sit here and say we're close. I like that. It was the first time I've actually heard him publicly kind of sound like he's starting to get ticked off about losing. And mm. Todd Graffanini sort of coming on the show and bringing up something that Rick brought up uh, a while back, the former Tulane head baseball coach, he said you have to hate losing more than you like winning. Yeah, And that's how you become one of those great teams. And I and he's right. You know, I mean, I think of – I bring it up all the time on our show – my favorite commercial, and it's the black and white one where he's going over all the missed free throws, the missed game winners, and the missed shots. Um, because players like that, they expect the shots to go down, they, they learn from that. And you know, to them, losing is, is not an option, it's unacceptable, and uh, winning is understood. And that's why you heard Zion in another bite say, Look, I get David Griffin's three principles, which is toughness, um, basketball IQ, and shooting. And he just kind of blew over it and said, yeah, those three, but there's a lot of other things, including the coaching staff and things that the staff can do. And I wonder if that's, hey, you know, playing certain players that maybe shouldn't. Um, He talked about the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over. These are things that are all positive because for this franchise to take the next step, Accountability is one of those principles that David Griffin touched on, but I think should be probably along the way And he did touch on it in his opening statement, saying that he's going to hold everybody accountable, and they have to be held accountable. To everybody, oh well, great, it's great words. Um, you got to do it because, to me, there were examples on this team where that didn't happen. But when. Your best player starts to kind of speak in that way, in that tone, then that is going to benefit everybody. And um, I like hearing that. So that's my benefit. I mean, that's my positive and my negative. is just very simple. I don't even need to go long. It. It's just absolute overevaluation of what you thought your roster was going to be. You heard me say it last week. Yeah. An abject failure. Yeah. An absolute F. You had young players that could have played, but you stuck to this archaic philosophy that they need to earn their minutes. They needed to develop, and you went and trusted veterans that absolutely dropped the ball for you. So, I mean that that is that is the negative. You went with guys that are not clutch players, have no basketball IQ, and didn't shoot. So, I mean
0: that's simple. That's simple negative. enough. Gus Gatignell, our Saints and Pelicans correspondent, it's the Great Scott Show, sponsored by Suit Up. Speaking of Suit Up, Suit Up, Callaway, give me a Suit Up. Go ahead, give it to me. Suit Up. Suit Up. That's right. Suit Up. Proud sponsor of the great Scott Show, 3546 Ambassador Caffrey, the absolute best in menswear. It's locally owned and operated. Suit up menswear and Tux Rentals. If you're getting married in the summer, in the fall, you need to start planning a wedding. You got a date. Maybe you don't even have the date yet, but just get ready. Suit up. They got great deals on wedding packages. You got you got five or more groomsmen in the wedding. They're ready from suit up. Grooms going to get it free, right? And you're going to look good for one of the biggest days. Love your life suit up suit up they got everything but the kitchen sink when it comes to menswear anything you need you need the casual you need the real dress up hey right now two suits for 300 dollars on select suits that's a special running right now they got that southern marsh clothing line as comfortable as it gets southern marsh international clothing brand started in louisiana yes speaking of local suit up locally owned and operated. They are breaking ground on a new store in new Iberia soon. And that's thanks to everybody out there that has supported this great place, great service, great atmosphere, great prices and great selection. Suit up, suit up. Stick with us. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, some quarterback options for the saints. Everyone says Richard Sherman. Well, there's a couple others out there. What would the saints have to do cap wise to make it happen? Is that indeed their biggest need? And conversation I had yesterday in regards to really evaluating the Saints' offense last season. We'll get Gus's thoughts on that, and then we're going to let him run. It is a Friday morning. Pro NOLA segment continues here on The Great Scott Show. Don't go anywhere. It's ESPN1420 and .com. Welcome back into the great Scott show sponsored by suit up. If you're listening on the listen live player, that's brought to you by champagne's market in the Wilson or champagne's going the extra mile. Don't forget the Cajun heartland state fair. Go, go fun, fun. We are less than a week away. It gets here in Lafayette. It's back after a year away, may 27th through June, the sixth. sponsored by LUS to learn more, go to ESPN, 1420.com and click on fair. Gus can get with us pro NOLA segment. Gus, Cornerback for the Saints at this point in time, is it the biggest need on this team or are you are you still leaning linebacker? Where are you at right now for biggest need on the team? Cuz cornerback's the one that's getting the most
1: press. Right. Well, it's getting most press cuz I think no one knows who that starter is going to be. I know the team got back Tim Crowley, that's probably for depth obviously. Sure. Um and you know, I just I find it very interesting that I mean, people are absolutely you know, man, that Richard Sherman's going to be a New Orleans team. Maybe he is. Maybe he's not. But even still, at that point, um, how much tread got left on the tires? Um, you know, and I don't know, man. I I saw Pro Football Focus put up a projected starting lineup, and I, I told you, I said I, I wouldn't be surprised if it is Paulson Adebo. Uh, to do that. And I know there's just a lot of unknowns, but it, you know, it's interesting because it's a constant battle where I have the people that call the show that are convinced it's the 11, 12, 13, one team. I mean, there's a lot of questions. you don't know. And they were the first ones to say, Oh, we got to figure out the corner situation. Well, I mean, that's kind of big as well. You know, what, what is that other corner that you're going to need? Um, how's your linebacking play going to, to be? I mean, I, pro football focus, had a Debo at the other starting corner, Warner is a starting middle linebacker, being I mean, Shai Tuttle, Anyama in the middle, Davenport and Jordan on the line, on your defensive side. So, you know, I let's just see. I, I don't. I keep telling everybody to me, middle part of the season. That's I think is what we're going to see what the Saints team can possibly be. I think that there's going to be some growing pains as to whoever's out there, um, Richard Sherman or not.
0: I think any any corner they sign now that if it's a name that you recognize. There's going to be risk involved, not in terms of like, oh, they're going to be Brandon Browner or something like that, but but more or less just in terms of the play, right? If you go, if you go Sherman, you know he's 33 years old, right? Is he is he in a deep decline right now? The cornerback, you know, it, it, it wasn't his best season last year. Um, Steve Nelson of the Steelers, right? He's a bit younger, had some solid seasons, and you know, kind of was on his way up, and then last year. You know, struggled, right? Can he can he get back in the mix if that's the guy? Josh Norman, remember how much Sean Payton wanted him? You know, five years ago, and it turned out, you know, kind of like the the Ruben Foster thing. Well, you ended up quote settling from ranch. It turned out good that they didn't get Norman. I say that, but you know, they went out and got some other guys. But it's just like if they if they get Norman, maybe they never draft Latimore. So you do a lot of what ifs there. And that, but now he's thirty three. He's not a full time guy. He played half a season last year in Buffalo, had some hamstring injuries. Not bad, right? Uh, Bashad Breeland, another guy, right, on the Chiefs last year, started, um, missed four games, I think, because he violated the substance abuse policy, but, you know, can play different packages, um, can, you know, play different spots in terms of of corner, gets called for a lot of penalties, likes to get physical, right? There's a risk. Like, there's no – there's no perfect solution here. You lost Jackrabbit, and you're not going to get anybody back close to that, in my opinion. And you only got about three hundred thousand in cap space now. If you extend Williams or Ramchek or Lattimore, you can create more space after June 1st. You could release some more players. They can make it work. I think they are going to sign a cornerback, whether it's Breland, whether it's Norman, whether it's Sherman Nelson. Someone threw out, I think, Gary and Conley, former first round pick by by Oakland, now Vegas Raiders, who never lived up to that and was okay in Houston. But whoever it is, I think, you know, there might be some delusions of grandeur from some of the fans in terms of the kind of impact they're going to make. Make no mistake about it, no cornerback signing is going to fix what you've lost at that spot. It's just not going to happen.
1: It's a good way to put it. It's a good way to put it. And, you know, uh, that's why I keep saying I – I get the time get the face, but you just don't know, man. I mean, are you here to come me Malcolm Brown and Sheldon Rankin's departing and be replaced by Shai Tuttle and Randerson and, you know, and I, well, is this the year Davenport comes in? All right, fine. Where's Peyton Turner's snaps going to come in the rotation uh, to know now from the Chiefs you should have a nice, you know, situation there. But, man, I, I just – I look at depth, I mean – Here's the thing. If we're kind of questioning where well, we can be some starters on this team, Scott, what happens if they get injured? Right. You know, I mean, what, I mean, who's behind some of these starters and in some of these starting positions, you have guys that, you know, are, are stepping in the beat perhaps behind starters. So, I like I said, I there's just a lot of question marks for me to be able to say that this is a 12-13, 11-win team. I, I just... I mean, got to the offensive side of things. You know, Michael Thomas gets injured, or you know, I have to go tie his shoe. We we comfy with you know Callaway and whoever that you know else receiver. I mean, I'm not saying they're not going to be good. And I I think Callaway showed a lot. I think uh, you know Trayvon stepped up a bit, but you're asking him to step up to essentially be the number two receiver. You're, you're action, you know, or you know, be that guy in the slot, which is what. The pro football focus forecast had. They had, um, you know, Callaway actually has had another wide out all the way on the side. So, I, I again, I none of them have actually played with Jameis Winston. <laughs> so it's, it's just, we'll see. Uh, I guess is what I keep telling people. you got to give it some time. It's, to me, it's the most anticipated preseason game stretch that I've ever seen, to be honest with you. It's wild. I, yeah. I mean, think it, about it. it. You, it, know it you
0: really, there's just no, there's, I, I, yeah, it's just wild. So, ESPN1420N.com, expectation level. Um, you ask somebody, you'll get different answers. I think some Saints fans that have, you know, only been fans the last 15 years, they're going to, it's, it might be a tough adjustment for them. Not, look, I don't think the Saints are going to be a bad team, but I'm not, uh, they're 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 taking a step back. They won twelve games last year. They get to play one extra one this year. They ain't winning twelve. I'm just telling you. I I got questions whether they can get to ten. We'll see. But like the offense last year, uh, Norm who who comes on with me Thursdays, he he said, and I didn't listen to Triplet and Nick Underhill, both guys I respect, both guys I you know I've had on the show, um. Said that they that he heard them say in a podcasting, and I had listened to it, that the Saints offense was bad last year. Now maybe he's paraphrasing whatever. I don't think it was bad. You know, they were top five in points scored passing wise. They were in the bottom half of the league. I think what to me, what that says is when you look at it, there were a couple of games where they were just lights out last year, but overall it was hard for them to get into a rhythm. Like there's no denying that. But in my opinion, it was more or less just. Based on the standard that was set, right when you set a bar that the Saints' offense had for years, suddenly it's like, yeah, you're not, you know, you're not quite flowing as well. You're not quite hitting that bar as much. It's a little more like a pendulum, just swinging. One one game, it looks really good. The next game, it's kind of flat. Breeze is dealing with an injury. I think that standard, that bar that's been set, man going to be tough I know some folks are excited think the offense is going to somehow be better next year and they think it was bad last year I don't think it was bad last year I just don't think it was up to the the bar that they had set but I also think if that's the bar you're going into 2021 with for the Saints offense I think I hope I'm wrong Gus but I think you're going to be disappointed because I don't think they're hitting that bar next year
1: again <laughs> I are Who's playing center? Is Ruiz going to go there to McCoy? Start there. Um, who's taking the, the the line calls? Drew did a lot of that. Fine. He did most of that. Uh, is it Jameis? Is it Ruiz? Is it Armstead? As you heard him in one of those games that Taysom Hill started, let, letting Taysom know that this guy wasn't coming. So, again, that's why I keep saying those early games, I mean, it's going to be so important to work out the kinks and just to figure out each other. Um, again, it's all based on potential. I, I like what I'm seeing from Callaway. Let me be that guy. Okay, Traquan Smith won a game by catching a first down last year The Detroit. But can he be a guy that catches seven passes or so? Can he depend it on that? Um, you know, you, you have Camara. You, you, you have kind of the, the basis of it. Yes, there's potential to push the ball down the field. Um, I, I, I will say this. To Nick and Mike's point, you know that offense last year was so limited in what they could do, and you saw them struggle to get any kind of rhythm whatsoever. I mean, you you have quarters where they would put up points, and then quarters where they couldn't get first downs, much less points, and, and that makes it difficult to win. And you know, I I agree. I mean. You know, obviously, in comparison to what we expect and have come to see from that offense, it wasn't anything like that. But that was probably more like what a traditional NFL sort of offense would look looks like. You know, it, it's up and down throughout the game. We just, again, we've been spoiled. We've been spoiled as to how good uh, the offense has been here anymore.
0: Gus Cattengale, great stuff. ESPN fourteen twenty. ESPN fourteen twenty dot com. And the ESPN 1420 app, Great Scott Show, sponsored by Suit Up. All right, before we let you go, Gus, last thing um, on the Saints. Mentioned working out the kinks, the offseason, what they've done to this point, moves they can make, needing to get a corner. Um, Let's circle back to Peyton Turner. The reception when the Saints drafted him versus where it is right now. How different has that been? Have have you still gotten calls in New Orleans from your listeners about what are they doing with this guy? Seems like he's already certainly embraced the city a lot and, and folks are getting of course we all know that if he, you know, doesn't play well, they'll turn on him in a second, right? The the the, the mindset of a fan. Um, be upset with them, you know, Davenport, the pressure on him. What what is the pulse for Peyton Turner right now as opposed to what it was three weeks ago?
1: That's interesting, right? Um, how perception changes, I guess, how people sort of act. Because um, <laughs> you're right. You know, everyone was calling this guy, Davenport 2.0. I was like, you know what? After hearing him and seeing him, I was like, he's Cam Jordan 2.0. He's some personality, always smiling. Really comes across as somebody that, you know, was excited, like he, he's happy. Um and it's going to bring some energy um, to, to that side of, of, you know, the field. And, um, you know, you see him with the cowboy boots and the hat. I already gave him a nickname, you know, Peyton Buckshot Turner. I yeah. already called him the outlaws. I want him, you know, sort of like Billy the Kid, you know, whatever, Doc Holliday, you name it. We did the show sort of uh, of asking who's in that game. Chauncey Gardner Johnson's the ringleader, right? I mean, who's not... I mean, he's the boss, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, you get a group of dudes walking in the saloon, he's the guy in the middle, isn't he? Chauncey? I mean, of course he is. So, CDD. He's, throw- uh, he's like, throwing like uh, Dude, a it's funny.
0: I, I compared uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson last year to Ike from Tombstone. I said the only difference is he's not like a coward. Yeah. Like, but... He's not going to like run away like Ike did in Tombstone. But in terms of just instigating everything constantly, like that's, that's, that's yeah. CJGJ, man. That's him. Nah, so. he's Billy the
1: kid, man. He, he is Billy uh, the kid. He's he not as good. As, he
0: thinks he's Billy the kid, but he's not as,
1: he's no, not as. But, okay, well, but, but that's my point. I mean, when you're looking at Wild West games and stuff, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the dude that's kicking the, you know, the the doors in the saloon going, where's Prather? You know? <laughs> I mean, that's, um, But yeah, look, I am telling you, look, we know we got a poster with the Dome Patrol. It's give me the outlaws. I want Peyton Buckshot Turner and his boots and his cowboy hat. Uh, Get C D in there in the middle, and uh, you know I have a Devo. Cam Jordan loves to play. You know, loves to costume it up and, and play roles oh I love he I love his stuff role stuff. in the
0: yeah in the in the schedule release man he's what a great yeah, dude that no,
1: guy I, dude I'm telling you I you know and look and alvin tamara alvin tamara is doc Holliday. he's that cool calm collected mm-hmm. guy that mm-hmm. he was kind of just sitting there I can just see him totally in the black trench uh you know with, with a black cowboy hat. it's always pulled low he oh, yeah. never really says anything until you really need him at then that last second and he's right there you know I mean that's I'm telling you, that's a, that's a heck of a poster right there. You know what? i might, I might
0: give the Saints a call. It's the marketing make, department, make it, make it happen. It. Make it happen. Let's do it. espn 1420 Gus Catantio has been our guest. Guys, give a follow on Twitter at gcat underscore one seven. That's a g. Uh, that's at gkatt underscore one seven. He is host of the Sports Hangover ESPN 100.3 in New Orleans, <laughs> noon to three weekdays. Great to join us on Fridays, and uh, I appreciate the time, man. Good talking some hoop with you, talking a little Saints. We'll chat with you next week, and um, looking forward to it, my friend. Sounds good, man. Oh, it was a pleasure, dude. Take care, bud. You got it, brother. All the best. All right, up next. Steve Pelequin's going to join me in studio. We're talking Cajun baseball and softball, among other things, and a little bit about the NBA postseason. It's all coming your way next right here. It's the Great Scott Show sponsored by Suit Up on ESPN 1420 and .com.